Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast, where my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts helping support our vision of leaders powered for good. If that's your mission too, I know you'll be inspired by what you hear. I'll be back at the end to share what I've learned. Enjoy this episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Dr. Keith Keating, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a real honor to be here. It's great to have you here. We're here to talk about your latest book, The Trusted Learning Advisor, the tools, techniques, and skills you need to make L&D a business priority. Keith, why did you decide to put pen to paper on this particular topic? I'll give you the formal answer. That is, since the inception of formalized workplace learning, L&D talent development has, by trade, been order takers. And we've been taking orders by those outside of the field of L&D. So we sit by why others call the shots. They make the decisions. They tell us how, when, why, where the learning interventions should happen. And after 10, 15 years of this, for me personally, even though the industry has been dealing with this a lot longer, I recognize that I have a skill set. I have experience. I have value outside of what I'm being told to do, and that there is a better way to provide service to our talent in the industry. And so that was really the catalyst for wanting to write this book in terms of how can we help, how can I help the industry evolve past that order-taking mindset into being more of strategic business partners. But it's it's always been that way, Keith. So why why break something that that uh, seemingly doesn't feel like it's broken? But I think you're you're sharing it is a broken process. What what are some of the risks that can happen if you just stay in that order taking mentality? Great question. So I think right now we're at a catalyst, or really a pivotal point in the sense that we can choose that familiar path that's safe and comfortable. Or we can rise up to the occasion and be those agents of change. So when we look at what's happening right now with the way work is evolving, work is accomplishing organizations, we have an opportunity to demonstrate value within the organization. And we have a choice right now. We can either help the organization be successful or fail in navigating that digital transformation, the talent development, the future of work. So a quick summary, I guess, to your, your question is, the future of work can belong to L&D, and we have a choice to evolve or become obsolete. You know, if you look at, let's just take ChatGPT for a minute. It does a great job at a lot of different things. So you want to create a quick course, you can go in, you can get the outline, you can get the content, it'll turn into PowerPoint slides. The question that's now being asked indirectly and in some places directly is, well, do we need L&D anymore? If I can just go into ChatGPT and do this, why do I have this large L&D organization? And no, ChatGPT does not follow the science of learning, but it does give you decent and good content. And sometimes good is good enough, even though we want for more. So the answer is, if we don't evolve and we don't start embedding ourselves in the business and start being true strategic business partners, our business partners, our stakeholders are going to find a way to go around us in an option to save money. 
we talked a little bit before we started the recording about ChatGPT and and uh, the the growing loominess of of AI. Um, it was very interesting what you shared about the. You're not sure that that a lot of decision makers, a lot of leaders, are really aware about how much that is going to impact the industry and how it's going to impact jobs, very specifically within the L and D field. Correct. So I. My personal concern right now is what I am hearing directly from CEOs. How many people can I replace with AI? Whether that's today or in six months or a year or three years, we're not seeing a massive impact to the workforce today. I think the gig workers are being impacted more immediately, but those aren't really falling in our numbers when we look at how it's impacting you know jobs in quotation marks. This is where we have an opportunity to step up and proactively be thinking about the talent in our organizations. The way that I view talent development, L&D, we are the voice of the talent, the voice of the people. It's not There's not someone else that's having that conversation or that's thinking about, how do I protect my talent? And if, on one hand, CEOs and leaders are saying, hey, how many people can I get rid of and save some money here? With AI, and again, technology is meant to uh, support us. It's meant to help us be more productive, and part of that is cost savings. We are the people in the organization that should be advocating for the talent, for either helping them cross skill, upskill, second skill, reskill, whatever type of skill you want to call it. We should be thinking about that, and then also we should be thinking about: Look, I've got people that I can't reskill. And I know that in a couple of years, they're not going to have jobs. So what can I be doing today to proactively support them and know that I'm going to be managing them out of the organization? So to answer your question is my concern, and I think the opportunity for us as talent development practitioners is to be thinking of the talent today and to be looking at the fact that we either need to upskill, reskill, second skill, or we need to start planning for them to be moving out of the industry or the organization. How do we support them in that journey? And I think, you know, as you look at what you wrote, there's there's there is such a responsibility now with all the changes that have happened um, during the pandemic, all the changes that are happening now with the the thrust of 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 technology being more right in front of us. Um, you talk about, you know, the 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 talent engagement and the retention crisis, but but like ultimately the workforce looks so dramatically different than it did four or five years ago. That's one of the other reasons why you've got to show up more and you have to evolve and become that advisor and not just sit there and say let's do the things we've always done. How do you focus on what's to come, knowing that we've never seen so much change in such a short period? I don't think we have enough time to cover <laughs> all of that. I'll, I'll, I'll focus on one specific area uh, because the, the truth is we can't predict the future. We can try and prepare for multiple futures. And I think that's one of the things that I like to think about in terms of um, the future of work is futures literacy. And to me, future literacy is when you are, or let me rephrase that, I call it the, the four Ps, where I'm imagining the possible, the plausible, the probable, and the preferable future, rather than just trying to predict what that future is. And one of the things that you can do is start with that idea of what, what the end goal looks like that you're 
thinking is the possible or the preferred future, and then working your way backwards to figure out what are the steps and the conditions necessary to kind of achieve that future. So that's kind of from a, from a brainstorming perspective, if you will. Then there's scanning the horizons to see what what what's coming, what are some potential threats, opportunities, what are some developments that may not be widely recognized. And so those are some of the tools that I use from, I guess, kind of a futures perspective. The other piece that I think is really important, especially from a trusted advisor perspective, is I hear a lot of practitioners making statements like, I just need to have a seat at the table. And I try to expand that mindset rather than having a seat at the table. I want to build my own table. I want to be inviting people to come and sit with me. You do this by having a point of view, by adding value to the conversation. And so rather than trying to sit at someone else's table, it's, it's inviting the business partners, your, your stakeholders, your leaders, and even your talent to join the conversation that you are facilitating. You, you put so much discussion around two areas that I think are so vitally important in, in, in our world and our role around trust, around building relationships. Sometimes it's very difficult when you have been in that order taking mentality, that role to, to, to create some, some, uh, some areas where there's a really strong relationship. How do you break down those barriers when oftentimes the person at the other end just wants it yesterday? starts with building that relationship. So, you know, trust and relationship go hand in hand. For me, it's, I'll give you an example. One of the tools I use is a partner commitment charter. So imagine if everybody that we met, they came with a warning label and it told you kind of their, their likes and dislikes and the way that they work and don't work. You know, for me, I despise the phone. My ringer is never turned on. So if you're ever trying to call me, you're never going to reach me. But you can text me and you can email me and I'll respond to you within two to three minutes, almost any hour of the day. So that is an important thing for my stakeholders to understand right out of the gate. So a partner commitment charter is where you are at the beginning of your relationship. You're sitting down and you're talking about the way that you work what your expectation is from the relationship, from each other, uh, how often you're going to be communicating the way that you talk to each other. Uh, You know, another example is I have uh, what some people call RBF, uh, resting uh, brat face, if you will. (laughs) So it looks like I'm always angry. (laughs) <laughs> and so I feel like the minute that I meet somebody, I have to tell them up front, hey, don't look at my face. I mean, don't try and read my face <laughs> because whatever my face shows is not truly how I'm feeling. That's just the way that my DNA has sculpted my face. So these are just little examples that when you have those conversations up front, when you're just starting to build that relationship, you're starting to also develop trust at the same time because you understand what works for them they understand what works for you and you're making a commitment that you're going to follow through on these agreements together and it's an organic document that's going to evolve over time but i I just find that it's one really easy tool to start building those relationships 
One of the things that we always try to do here on the Leader Chat podcast is is to allow people to take a couple ideas, mechanize kind of the the thoughts and and research that you put out there. So if somebody said, you know what, this all sounds great, where do I start? Where what what are some of the skills that I need to bring to the table to to show up differently and be better? What would you What would you recommend? The f- First thing I would recommend is, and this is not a shameless plug, or maybe it is a shameless plug, check out the book, The Trusted Learning Advisor. Uh, because I do, the, w- as I was writing the book, I wanted to make sure that it was treated as a tool that you would use in your journey, not a theoretical thought leadership, how things should maybe go, but it's filled with nothing but practical strategies and tactics that you apply along the way, including the skills that you need to develop as a trusted learning advisor. Uh, And I would say that these skills are not so far off from, quote, the skills that we are talking about for the future of work. And those are our human skills, empathy, communication, problem solving, creativity, the skills that really separate us from technology. So in, in summary, uh, the question is, what type of skills should they start be developing? Uh, consulting skills, um, understanding how to listen, how to communicate clearly, how to give and receive feedback, and how to be a, a partner that is willing to follow through with commitment, follow through with communication, follow through with trust, so that you're able to make a meaningful relationship. All right. So the magic wand happens or you actually, it's not magic wand. You've done the work and you've actually, you've created additional skill sets. You've created some additional mindsets around moving away from that order taking. You still have to take the order. You still have to work closely with the people. How is that relationship going to evolve? What do you, what, what's somebody going to see if they are able to show up in that trusted advisor role that's going to make their jobs, their lives, their relationships, their business success so much stronger? You're going to be brought into the discussion earlier rather than later. One of the things that I find when I'm being treated as an order taker, I'm the last one to find out what the problem is and what their proposed solution is. If somebody is, something has happened, a decision has been made, and that decision is then thrown over the wall to me or to my team to go and execute it. And so I'm not given the opportunity to do my due diligence, to understand from the learner's perspective, do the root cause analysis, figure out what is truly needed, how we're going to measure it, how we're going to drive change. And also, is a learning intervention the right solution to this problem? So when you are seen and recognized as a trusted learning advisor, you're brought into that conversation much sooner upstream so that you can be part of the decision-making in determining is learning actually the right solution for this. I don't necessarily know if this is true, but in my experience, when I find that I don't have the seat at the table, when I am not been kind of given the keys to the castle to understand underneath the hood what's going on, I realize there's something that I did in there that I either failed or I I didn't I didn't get the message across. What do you typically do? Because I'm sure even even with your expertise, that happens from you from time to time where you just you don't get there. How do you backtrack? How do you challenge them? How do you still because I, I bet you don't give up? How do you how do you try to um 
attack it from a different angle to see if you can still be a part of the conversation? Great question. So there's uh, different different ways I want to answer this. One, the, being a trusted learning advisor is not a destination. It is a continuous journey. And it does not matter for me, I'll give you an example. It doesn't matter how many credentials I have, how many degrees, uh, how many Fortune 500 companies I've worked with, what my title is, I am still treated as an order taker in that initial onset. So I've got to have the skill set to be consultative and to be able to navigate those types of conversations, which is which is what you're getting to. But I just want to preface that uh, I don't believe that we're ever truly a trusted learning advisor. And then we say we're done. It's like being a marathon runner. You don't just stretch practice, run the marathon, and then get to say for the rest of your life, you're a marathon runner. You have to continuously be stretching and running to make sure that you are working on your craft. And the same applies to us. Um, With that, you said something a few minutes ago about taking the order. And there is a difference between being an order taker and taking the order. Mm. I'm trying to avoid being an order taker, but I will always take the order. The difference is taking the order means I'm listening to your request. I'm acknowledging that I hear you and I'm not going to push back immediately. I'm going to analyze the situation and determine what what is the landscape looking like right now. I'll give you an example. Uh, If there was a fire on your house, you're not going to stand back and say, all right, let's figure out how did this fire actually start and how do we make sure it doesn't happen again? You're going to get hoses and buckets and glasses of water and whatever you can to put out that fire because it's an emergency. The same situation applies when we receive that order. I'm going to take that order and then I'm going to figure out, is there a fire at hand? Is this something that I truly need to react to just to help you as my stakeholder be that hero so that you've got that true support system? Or is this something where we have a little bit of time where we can step back and we can analyze, hey, what's the situation? What's the root cause analysis? Can I go out and talk to people? Can I find out if this is the right time for me to be consultative and essentially push back if that's necessary. So I don't know if I answered your question directly. I think that it is subjective depending on the situation at hand. And that's part of being a trusted learning advisor is being able to step back and analyze the horizon as to what's going on. Is now the right time for me to try and show my credibility and demonstrate that there may be another solution? Or is this the time where I just need to be quiet and execute and build that credibility with you so that the next time I can get in the conversation sooner and hopefully be proactive instead of reactive. I think you answered it, answered it well. And I just made me think, I mean, how easy our job would be if every time we, we had these conversations, it was the same thing, but also how boring (laughs) would our lives be if every time we went into a room and it was the same thing. I think, I think we would all, we'd all hate that. So the challenges of what we are trying to accomplish on a daily basis uh, makes what we do very fun. So as Keith, as we're starting to wrap up the conversation today, what's, what what do you think, what's the one thing you'd like our listeners to, to take away from our conversation? It's our responsibility to be practicing empathy in everything that we do as talent development leaders. And that's empathy with our stakeholders to understand that 
sometimes our stakeholders are also order takers. We may not see that side of the table. To us, it just seems like they're resistant, they're giving us an order, but we don't necessarily know where that order resonated from. So we've got to be empathetic towards the situation that they're coming from. And, and our goal really is to make them the hero of their own story. On top of that, we need to be empathetic to our learners and the organization, to the talent, because they are the ones that we are responsible for at the end of the day. Yes, our stakeholders are the ones writing the checks, the proverbial checks, but really we are beholden to planning for, preparing for, and being advocates of the talent within the organization. And, and one tool, if you're not familiar with design thinking, is to become familiar with design thinking, put that as a tool in your toolkit, because design thinking starts with empathy. It doesn't start with the problem. A lot of problem-solving solutions start with the problem, whereas design thinking takes a step back and it says, let's start with empathy. Let's find out from the people the challenges that they're facing, and then we'll synthesize all that data to figure out what is the actual problem statement we're trying to solve for. So in summary, it's being empathetic in everything that we do on all sides of the table. Keith, if people listening in want to learn a little bit more about you beyond the book, where would you send them? You can start at my website, keithkeating.com. Very easy. Wonderful. Keith Keating, Dr. Keith Keating. The book is called The Trusted Learning Advisor, The Tools, Techniques, and Skills You Need to Make L&D a Business Priority. Keith, thank you so much for your time and, and, uh, and your expertise, everything you shared today on the Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please share it with your friends. The best way you can help us grow is feedback. So write a review if you haven't already. This podcast is brought to you by Blanchard, the heart of human achievement. Visit Blanchard.com for additional resources to help you and your organization succeed. Now it's my pleasure to turn today's podcast over to Ken Blanchard for his final thoughts. Thanks, Chad, for interviewing Keith Keating about his book, The Trusted Learning Advisor. If you listen to this tape and read his book, you're going to learn a lot about learning and development and how it can be more impactful. You'll learn how we can make training part of the overall company strategy, how we can convince key stakeholders of the value of learning and development. Boy, that's really important how we can develop a proactive approach to learning and development rather than a reactive. And then finally, how can we help any stakeholder see us as a trusted learning advisor instead of an order taker? Boy, that's what we want to do. We want to be in the action. We don't want to be just water taker, order takers. So thanks, Chad. Thanks, Keith. This is really helpful stuff. Boy, follow up and learn more about this. All the best.